Welcome here, everyone. I'm glad to see you, and I hope things are going well with you. Happy New Year to each of you. My name's Mark. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm glad that you've decided to take some time today to look at God's Word. Please, take your Bibles. Turn to James chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. We're going to buckle up on this one because this is a, is a real messy text. People have used or abused money. Uh, this this scripture really hammers that, and we're going to get into some, some depth. The book of James is about the practicality of our faith, and so I'm not surprised at all that he, use, he talks about the use and abuse of money, because Jesus talked a lot about that. He spoke more about money than any other topic, by the way, and some of us say, no, 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 that couldn't happen. It's hard for us as Canadians, because we believe that money is one of those private things we don't talk about. And I'm not saying for a second you go to a city bus and look at the person beside you and say, so how much money did you make last year? No, not at all. But God is asking that we look at how we use money. Because remember, we are managers of all that God has given to us. Uh, Martin Luther wrote, there are three main conver or conversions that are necessary for every Christian. That would be the conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and the conversion of what he called the purse, which we call the wallet. And, and uh, or as we call it, um, I agree and I believe that it is the last conversion, the conversion of our wallet that seems the hardest for us as Christians. Uh, please stand if you're able and allow me to read this text to us. James chapter 5, starting in verse 6, from the New Living Bible Translation. Look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away, and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest the fields have received the ears of the Lord's heavenly armies." You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every pleasure. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Lord, this text is troubling. We pray that you would teach us how to put this into practice. And we pray that we would obey you in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Thanks. So as we get into this text, who do you think it applies to? Many of us would say, well, certainly not me because I'm not rich. If we consider our, or compare ourselves with the super-duper billionaires around us on social media and TV, the truth is, if you or I own a bicycle, we're in the top 12% of the world's wealth. Think about that. If you or I own a house, we would be in the top 5% of the world's wealthy. This week... I read two commentators, they said that this text is not for wealthy elite people uh, in Canada, it's, it's for others. And I totally disagree. I believe that this text is for us. The truth of poverty and wealth in Canada is revealed in this text. Some say, well-meaning Christians say to me, well, why are you speaking on money again? Isn't that, it's important. James thought it was important. Paul, the Apostle Paul put it in many of his texts. It often destroys us if we do not use it right. In fact, 1 Timothy 10, or chapter 6, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Some people eager for, eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I'd like to pause here and say thank you for your giving as a church. 
our building program, our missions giving, our general fund has been some of the top amount of giving ever, ever since our church has existed. I, I'm going to let Diane talk to us about our missions and the Christmas offering, which has such an amazing story behind it. I won't bother, I, not bother, I, I won't do that here but I want you to hear it later. The building fund is a million point two this year and we're not even in a, in a strategic time of giving towards it. So I'm just so thankful for you giving. But I do want to invite those who do not give into the blessed ministry of generosity. The Bible says, given it will be given to you. I want God to pour out a blessing upon you. But it depends on whether we obey and start the process. Today, I want to give you four foolish financial practices to avoid and five financial practices to follow. First, the foolish financial practice to avoid, and it's in the James text. Number one, don't hoard money. James chapter 5, verse 3, you have hoarded wealth in the last days. A quick look at the Old Testament and New reveals our heroes. Many of them were spiritual leaders and wealthy, Abraham, David, Job, and others. And what God is not against wealthy people. But he warns wealthy people on how if we abuse our wealth, it will kill our souls and destroy our lives. The Bible in this text is not saying don't save your money. It's saying don't hoard your money. In fact, don't be tightly fisted with your money. Some of us are afraid of losing our money, so we, we get all jammed up with this. And it becomes, money becomes an end in itself. There are three ways to hoard wealth in the New Testament times. Stockpile food. Collect clothing, gather gold and jewelry, and if you had money back then, you'd show it off to other people this way. All your diamonds and gold and clothing, that kind of stuff. James says, gives us perspective in verses 5, chapter, chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, your wealth is rotting away. Ooh. Your fine clothes are, are moth-eaten rags. The gold and silver you have is corroded. The very wealth that you were counting on will eat away your soul. Wow. This is a day of judgment deal. The point of this verse is to say, don't collect things and not, if we, the things that we collect eventually will destroy us. Wealth is to be used wisely, not hoarding, not stockpiled. Secondly, don't steal money. In the NIV, it says, look, your wages have failed to pay the, the workers now that mowed your fields are crying out against you and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of God Almighty. There's lots of ways to make money and there's way more ways to make dishonest money. Let me tell you a story. When I was, when I was 10 years old, I was watching my dad harvest, as which was usual, and I thought, you know, all that straw coming out the back, I bet you if I made bales out of that, I could sell that to our neighbors and make some money. My brother agreed. We got a little business going. And Dad said, hey, I'll, uh, we'll rent a baler for you. Uh, I, I had to pay for their own twine, if I remember correctly, and to bail this up. And I'd use his tractor and his diesel and his car or his trucks. And we, we bailed this field. And we took all the bales over to this guy that said he'd pay us for these, and this would be the amount, and this would be the uh, per bale or whoever, however it was. And we are still waiting 47 years ago to get paid. I learned a lesson that day, how it felt to be ripped off. Verse 4 says that God hears the cry of the people we've stole money from. Stop. 
Thirdly, don't waste money. James 5, verse 5 says, You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. All of us are tempted to spend money on ourselves. And the more we spend, it seems, or sorry, the more we wake, often it just means we spend it on ourselves. And we say, oh, I'm worth it. Or I can afford it. I've worked hard for this. Richard Foster in his book, Simplicity, reveals how opposite this type of thinking is to the way of Jesus. Followers of Jesus choose a different way, not just simply and arrogantly spend it on ourselves. We give this away. Our world loves to watch other people waste their money. And we have TV programs watching people throw away riches and big vacations and vehicles. For instance, I'm a car guy, but for the life of me, I don't understand how you can have a $2 million car for one car. I mean, come on. You know how many kids we can feed with that? Yes, yes, we need cars, but we don't need that one. And we don't even need to ooh and awe over it. To explain the reality of this is really going to those who waste money. James says it's a picture of cows and pigs being fed and fattened up so later they will die and be eaten in preparation to be eaten. Self-indulgence perpetuates death. Don't waste your money. Number four, don't waste, or sorry, don't abuse the power of money. In James 6 here, the verse he talks about some people who have influence that money gives us over others because we have wealth. In another book by Foster called Money, Sex, and Power, he, he says that money is not simply about purchasing power. It's about giving influence and using our influence and authority to help others, not just get illegal things for ourselves. Do you know of anyone that comes to mind who has used their financial status or personal position of power to gain personal wealth and get their way pushed through, nothing has changed. Money is still often used by leaders to help themselves. And money has been given to us by God to help others. True story I want to give you. I was meeting a very wealthy business dude in the church parking lot. I heard about him, and he's well-known. By the way, it's not this church, so don't worry about it. He's well-known in the community, and uh, he was always so well-known there was trouble in that church, and he apparently left. And well, obviously, he was looking for a church home. And uh, some people, uh, my friends of mine, kind of warned me, said, this guy's a different guy. So when he drove in the church parking lot Sunday morning, I said to an elder, let's go chat with this guy. And we introduced ourselves and talked a little bit. Within no time at all, his comment was, well, I have some funds and I'd like to go to a church where I can spend that. And, uh, and uh, if you could let me know the leadership, um, the way of leadership, how, how do you get to be a leader here, like maybe an elder, if that's possible? I looked at him and I said, I don't think you're going to like it here. We don't put our elders in here or staff in here because they have money or are influencers. We have elders because they're prayer people and they're servants of God. And I said, there's lots of churches that would like the money and that thing for you to help them in your leadership if you'd like it. I don't think you're going to like it here. I learned a lesson that day. Money can be insidi insidious for us. It, it, we power up on others and think my way is the best way because I have money. Sad deal. James says here, this is not the way of Jesus, and asks us to use our affluence as a selfless influence for others. 
Let's go on to five wise financial practices that we need to follow. And um, uh, no, no specifically, uh, not one in specific order than the other. First, we need to save money faithfully. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish spends whatever he gets. Proverbs also says, Consider the ant as it stores up for the wintertime. Even ants know to store money or to store food and, and get ready for winter. We are better spenders than we are savers, it seems. And for instance, we often get money given to us at Christmas and we've spent it immediately. Or we've already put it on our visa cards. Let, let me show you a, a, a Herman comic that I think is a little humorous about mom's got my card. Some of you are asking, okay, how can I save? Well, here's a few thoughts, not in any specific order. Number one, decide to save. You need to decide to save. Stop wishing on a star that it would happen somehow. Secondly, make a plan. Cover your ears quickly because I'm going to use the B word. Budget. Write it out. Don't hide it after you've done that. Maybe stick it on your fridge and maybe on a friend's fridge so they can ask you about how things are going. Obey God's direction to tithe, to give 10% of all we have to God. Malachi chapter 3, verse starting in verse 8 to 10. Will a mere mortal rob God? Wow. Yet you rob me, but, but we say, well, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offering, God says. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me, God says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Okay? Tithe is one-tenth. Storehouse is a place where people's needs are being met, like our church. That there may be food in my house, God says. Test me and see me in this. This is the only place in Scripture it says, test me. See, it says the Lord Almighty, and see if I don't throw out the floodgates of heaven and pour such a blessing on you, you will not be able to have room to store it. That's my faith. This is a faith step, and that's why I talk about money, for you to get in God's plan of blessing you. I was a while ago, I read the memoirs of Rockefeller and J.I. Kraft, the Kraft guy, and uh, as well as Laternal, Number of names like, by the way, Turnal was an alliance guy who gave 90% away and lived on 10%, just the opposite of what Malachi is saying. Folks, we need to learn to tithe. It is a way that we trust God. Fourth, I believe, is the order we're in here. Learn to live with margin. Let's go to five. It's easy understand. Throw away your credit card, or at least freeze it inside a four-liter jug of milk so that you have to wait for it to unthaw before you can use it. I think many times we purchase too quickly and it gets us in trouble. Last time I used that illustration, a lady came to me and said, oh, that's easy. I'd put it in the microwave. No, don't put it in the microwave. You get my point. The next point is to choose to be content. I have enough. In fact, let's practice. Say that with me. I have enough. 1 Timothy 6, starting at 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and will take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. That's the commitment. Those who want to get rich fall into the temptation as a trap and many foolish, harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Wow. Another one? Choose to be a good steward, a good manager. It's he owns it, we manage it. He has given breath to us. He's given bodies that work, all that he, God owns it all. Folks, I could go on and on, but we've got to get back to our five wise practices. So save money faithfully. Secondly, gain money honestly. Proverbs 31, 11, Wealth from gambling quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows. Gambling is simply a get-rich-quick scheme for some people. It really is a taxation on the poor. 
The value of hard work goes back to the very first person God ever made, Adam. And he made him and put him in the garden to work. Not easy street the rest of our lives. Usually work harding, or working hard results in financial blessing. But now we ask the question, how much money should a Christian make? Usually hard work results in financial blessing. Now, but, but, but some ask the question, so how much should a, a Christian make? Biblically, there's no set limit of how much we make. No qualifications there. But I think there's four things we have to keep in mind. Number one, our health. If our work destroys our health, change your work. Simple as that. As a friend of mine said once, I do not want to be the richest man in the graveyard. Proverbs 23, 4 says, do not wear out yourself to get rich and have, a, have wisdom to show restraint. If it hurts your family, no, it means you haven't got time for your spouse and your kids, change your work. Simple as that. If it hurts other people, is destructive or de- exploitive of others, it's wrong. Get a different job. If it stops spiritual growth, that's wrong. Get a different job. Don't destroy your life over your work. Work is an important part. I understand that. And many times, uh, God designates specific work that He wants us to get done. But we need to realize enough is enough. Thirdly, spend time or money wisely. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as waste leads to poverty. We usually spend wrongly because we're spending without a plan and we spend in a hurry. You've seen advertisements as I have these days, and it's just deceitful. If you've seen the ones, you'll only need to make 36 easy monthly payments. Have you ever made an easy monthly payment in your life? The issue is not that we don't make enough. The issue is we don't spend wisely. One of the problems here is that our earning capacity cannot keep up with our yearning capacity. We always want more and better, newest We are committed as Christ followers to be content. Fourthly, give money generously. Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25 in the Living Bible, it is possible to give away and become richer. It is also possible to hold on tightly and lose everything. Yes, the liberal man shall be rich. By watering others, he waters himself. This text specifically is dealing with uh, and the sowing and reaping principle of life. I am amazed at how many Christians don't expect this truth. Many believe that, Christians believe that God's job is to take care of my salvation, and I'll take it from here. And they separate our money and our spiritual walk. In Luke 19, a man named Zacchaeus from Jericho, remember, he's the guy that climbed into the tree because he wanted to see Jesus. After supper, they went to Zach's house for supper, and after supper, he said, Lord, um, here, here, I want, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount that I've stolen. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come into this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Salvation come into the house? How? Isn't salvation something about our spirit? I find it interesting, Jesus says, because Zacchaeus has repented and rightly reallocated money that was previously stolen. Salvation has come to his house and to his soul. Generosity to the poor and correcting bad habit, or bad bad debt, sorry, reveals that Zach was a believer and a follower of Jesus. In Matthew 19, the story of the rich young ruler, just the opposite. He said no to Jesus because he couldn't say no to his money. 
Christ followers understand and obey and say yes to what God is asking us to do. Do you own your money or does your money own you? Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. In the Living Translation says, The purpose of tithing is to teach us always to put God first in our lives. If Jesus is not first in our finances, he's not first in our life. Simple as that. Jesus asked us to give. Why? Because we become like him when we give. Secondly, giving keeps us from materialism and money from becoming an idol in our lives. Giving reveals our faith and dependence upon Jesus. Giving is the vaccine of the disease of faithlessness and self-centeredness. And so we don't give simply because there's needs around us. We give because we need to give. It's it's our vaccine against materialism. Now, if we do that, our, belie- our non-believing world thinks we're crazy. Yeah, it's true. Well, lastly, the allurement of money is what we have to watch out for. And I just want to read 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17-19. I command those who are rich in this present world, that would be us, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and be rich rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up for themselves treasures in heaven as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Why we speak about money today is because it's important. And if we ignore it, it oftenly ends up destroying our lives. Folks, for those of you that give and continually give, Lord bless you. And for those of you that need to make a faith step today and start being involved in the generosity that God calls us to, I pray that God would continue to bless you as you obey him. Lord, thanks for this time. Thanks for the the importance of finances and wealth, and we ask that we would be given wisdom. We ask that we'd be given courage to obey what you are asking us to do. Thank you for this opportunity. Bless your people, I pray, as they bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you.